Hey, book club. I'm Kayla. And I'm Rachel. And we're the hosts of Books and Boards, the book club for people without one. There's nothing better than cozying up with your favorite book and a board full of snacks. Except for maybe rapid fire texting your sister about all the juicy details. We got tired of texting, so now we're here to talk about it. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Books and Boards Pod. We're here with our second episode. Um, It is when this comes out, it is the day before Valentine's Day. So we have planned a little romance novel for this episode in celebration of that. Um, Kayla, what are your Valentine's Day plans? Ooh, we don't have any yet. I We really like to do something together. We've done a cooking class before, and I feel oh. like we've been chasing that high ever since. It was right before COVID, and we haven't found anything quite like it. But maybe this year. I don't know. Or we'll go out to eat. We'll see. Do y'all have any plans over there? Um, Not really. Not really. We have um, we his Charles' parents will be in town. And they mm. leave, I think, like a day or two before. But also Valentine's Day is it's always weird when it's on a weekend. I mean, a weekday and not a weekend mm-hmm. because it just makes it hard with, you know, trying to do something around work. But in the past, our tradition was usually sushi. We'd always get sushi on Valentine's Day. But mm. they don't really have sushi in the little town that we live in in Scotland. So <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But just have to try to probably, make your own. Yeah, just something simple. Hmm. Well, we'll have to circle back after the episode drops and see what everybody did for Valentine's Day. Maybe somebody will get some fun ideas after reading this book. So yeah, this episode we are covering The Long Game by Elena Armas. Um, Like I said, it's a little romance novel and Kayla is going to give us a recap. But before we do that, just wanted to give a little reminder that we are going to be giving away some spoilers from the book. So if you haven't read the book and you don't want to hear what happens, maybe hit pause and then go read it. Come back to us when you're done. Um, But yeah, Kayla, you want to dive in? I would love to. Let's talk about the long game. It was a good one. Um, I feel like I'm on the soccer field right now at halftime or watching one of your games. Maybe you're watching one of my games. I don't know. We have our snack boards out that are just classic sideline soccer field snacks, orange slices, maybe not the pepperoni, but some candy, some crackers. I feel like I need a juice box in my hand too. I actually have little apple juice boxes in my fridge, so I should probably get one out. Oh, yeah, that'd be perfect. Um, Okay, well, yes, let's chat about this little romance that turned spicier than I expected it to be. I thought this was going to be little Hallmark movie over here, and then we got very spicy, which I loved. Mm -hmm. So this book starts with our boss babe, Miss Independent Adeline Reyes, who hates nicknames for most of the book, might I add, so we'll stick with Adeline. She lives in Miami, and she's a marketing director for a professional men's soccer team, and that's the Miami Flames, which I don't think is a real MLS team, right? It's made up. Okay. There is a, there's a new formed team in Miami that David Beckham owns, and that's who Messi plays for, but it is not not the Flames, not the Miami Flames. (laughs) (laughs) No. 
<laughs> um, so unfortunately for Adeline, when the book starts, she has become a viral sensation. She was caught on camera ripping the head off of Sparkles, who is the Miami Flames mascot and is a giant bird, while they were at a team anniversary celebration. So like you might expect in real life, the video has been seen millions of times, has various remixes. I kind of wish I could see all of these remixes that they described and has gotten her named Lady Birdinator online, which I would hate nicknames too if that was my nickname. Uh, I want to laugh, but it's also pretty terrible. <laughs> So to make things worse, Adeline's dad is the head of the Flames, so he has decided that for the sake of the club and his own reputation, let's be real, she's being banished to a small town in North Carolina, and he's calling it being sent on another assignment, which is lame. During this meeting with her dad, she also get to meet Adeline's ex-boyfriend, who we find out is also a hotshot at the club, and he's also a turd, in my humble opinion. We'll circle back to him. So Adeline heads off on her assignment with literally no information, like, girl, you knew nothing and you can tell very quickly because she ends up in the front of a cabin in the middle of the woods in North Carolina. Here she finds a chicken that actually turns out to be a rooster and a very tall man. She finds out that her assignment, which I'm putting in quotes because I never really understood what her assignment was. I don't they just kept saying it was charity, which yeah. we'll also talk more about. I was also but, confused. Yeah. I don't know what her dad really wanted her to do out here. But the assignment is a U9 kids rec soccer team. And we find out she's supposed to be staying in a cottage, which I'm also putting in air quotes because it sounds more like a shack, which is next door to the nice cabin that the tall man is staying in with the chicken rooster running around. So talk about shock to this city girl who showed up with a suitcase full of stilettos and pantsuits. I don't know what she was thinking. I don't think she was thinking. She was still in shock. She was going through it. You can tell. So Adeline's best friend, Matthew, tries to warn her on the phone about the team being a kid's team, but it doesn't make it through. She doesn't make the connection. It takes her some time to figure it out. What doesn't take her any time at all to figure out is that the tall man staying in the cabin next door is an ex-professional goalkeeper for the LA Stars, which is another MLS team in the book, and his name is Cameron Caldani. He's apparently tall, he's ripped, he's tatted, and he's very brutal. He's kind of sassy for most of the book. He's also English. He's English, correct. So they butt heads immediately and argue for basically the entire first half of the book. Classic. Adeline ends up blackmailing Cameron to stay as coach of the kids team or tells him that she'll tell the whole town who he is. And his primary goal during most of the story is to stay anonymous. He is hiding out. We don't know why at the beginning, but he doesn't want anyone to know where he is. So in retaliation, Cameron signs her up for every fall event that this little town has. We get to see goat yoga. We get to see pottery. We have a craft beer and boogie night. We have an end of the summer bash and even a fall fest. So they do a lot of things in this little town. Sounds like a good time. Josie, we get to meet as well, who is the town's mayor, a coffee shop owner, and just an overall jack of all trades, decides to pair Adeline and Cameron up at basically every event because she's running them. And I think she's trying to play a little matchmaker here. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. And somehow Cameron or Cam, as a lot of people call him, is good at literally everything. 
I don't know how or why, but he is. And Adeline is a klutz in her stilettos. She's fallen all over the place. She falls down the bleacher. She sprains her ankle. I mean, she's wearing stilettos in rural North Carolina in grass and gravel. So I don't know what she expected. What can you expect? <laughs> right. <laughs> So in between all of these events, Adeline and Cameron are half fighting, half flirting while trying to pull this kid's soccer team together. Most of the girls are nine, except for one seven-year-old who runs around practices and games in a tutu. (laughs) Kind of sounds like something you would have done. That's why I'm laughing. (laughs) Because she's also a ballerina. Um, But the ringleader of the team is Maria, who lives on a farm. She has a teenage brother named Tony, who's obsessed with soccer. And she loves her goat, whose name is Brandy and is blind and suffers from anxiety. Maria was my favorite character, as well as Brandy. And they just added so much to this story, I feel like. Um, Cameron is a very competitive man. So obviously he wants to win this U9 league, uh, while Adeline feels like her whole career in life really depend on her being successful during this charity assignment. So she wants the kids team to win because she feels like because the Miami flames are sponsoring the girls team, that if they win, then she'll win back over her dad and the flames and she'll get to go back to her life. Yeah. Feels like a hopeless cause at first because the girls lose their first game and it just seems like a ragtag bunch of kids. And really, they're only in the league because they were the only team around, which is kind of sad. But the girls end up pulling out a tie and a win and another team gets disqualified because they had a 13-year-old on the field. I don't know how they didn't see the size difference between the 7-year-old and the 13-year-old, but they get disqualified. stretch. (laughs) Right. And it lands the girls' team in the final. So another win throughout the book. We're kind of going back and forth during the storyline of all of the soccer games, the practices, and then Adeline and Cam's little romance love story because they finally start opening up with each other. And Adeline finally lets herself be taken care of by Cam after she sprains her ankle during one of her incidents in her stilettos and she's scared during a storm she's on all these painkillers cam comes and gets her he carries her back to his house with his cat in the rain and takes care of her and all of a sudden it's super sweet cam also opens up during this time to adeline about a break-in that happened at his house in la which is what led to his retirement from the soccer team And is why he's trying to stay anonymous in rural North Carolina, because he doesn't want any crazed fan finding him and breaking in like what happened in L.A. So they fall in love hard and fast throughout the second half of the book. The whole first half, I was like, these people, I know they're probably supposed to fall in love, but they are really being their own worst enemies, to be fair. But in the second half of the book, things get spicy. Things move hard and fast. They end up in the woods. They end up under the stars. Uh, They also end up in the shed, which is turned into Adeline's office during soccer practice while the girls are out there and Tony's leading the team. Super risque. Uh Uh-huh. Um, so they fully fall for each other like any good sappy romance. They have the best night and then it all comes crashing down because it's got to at some point, right? Mm-hmm. And Adeline finds out that her dad is selling the club to her ex-boyfriend. And Cam kind of sort of knew that it might be happening because his old agent had told him that there might be rumors about that. But Cam wasn't really sure. 
And so it all comes to a head. Um, Cam heads to the final game with the girls and Adeline goes back to Miami to try to fix this situation with her dad in the club. They both leave. They don't know if they're ever going to see each other again. Very dramatic. So in North Carolina, Maria gives Cameron that classic, you need to go after her speech while he's braiding her hair, which is really sweet. But in classic Maria self, she tells him he sucks at braiding hair, which was just funny. Um, Meanwhile, in Miami, Adeline is stomping into her dad's office where he reveals one of the biggest plot twists of the book that Josie, who was, you know, the small town mayor, the coffee shop owner, the jack of all trades, she is Adeline's half sister. So Adeline's dad was from that small town, is the father of Josie, and never had anything to do with her. So he is his most unemotionally available self during this interaction. And Adeline finally realizes that everything her dad did was for himself. He is selfish. He is not emotionally available. And he never really did anything to protect her or love her, which was terrible. And also, he's selling the flames to that ex-boyfriend, which is ew. And I realized I never said what his name was, but it's because he doesn't deserve it, in my opinion. He sucks. And also, Adeline punched him in the face, and it was glorious. And Cameron said it was expected, unexpected, but deserved. And I love it, and I couldn't agree more. And it was the best end to the book. But anyway, Adeline stands her ground in her dad's office. She tells her dad that he needs to tell her mom and Josie about his past and that he's Josie's dad and she walks out because she is now a healed woman. We love it. She's getting out of there. She does not need her dad anymore Mm-mm. in the same way that she did throughout most of the book. Meanwhile, after Maria's speech, Cameron has hopped on a plane to Miami and reunites with Adeline in the lobby of the Flames office. They obviously still can't get enough of each other. Both profess their love for each other. Cameron even tells her that he'll buy the flames for her if that's what she wants and that he will sit back and watch her conquer the world, which is just a sweet 180. Yes, after having to sit through her dad being a total turd. Mm So Cameron lets Adeline know that the girls won. They are the winners of the Six Hills Little League, which Adeline still feels bad for missing the game because she was going off to fix things in Miami, which she needed to do because I think in the process fixed herself and healed herself from a lot of things. But she finds out that Cameron invited the press to celebrate the win because he is also a healed man now. And they found out that he was coaching the team. And Adeline made a success story, which was her goal all along. And it is all sweet and it wraps up perfectly. You find out that Adeline decides to start a youth soccer club in rural North Carolina with Cam as the coach and also the director of coaching. He sticks with the youngest age group of girls because he just fell in love with that little ragtag team when he was coaching them that first time. Um, And one year later, we find out we find out that the youth club is thriving and we get a glimpse that maybe there's going to be a next book in the series, which Rachel and I found out is true. There is another book coming and that maybe it'll focus on a love interest between Adeline's best friend, Matthew, and her newly found half-sister, Josie. We found out that this book doesn't come out until the fall, which I didn't even realize there was a sequel until the end of this book when I Googled it. But now I'm sad that we have to wait because I got sucked in fully to this little small town world in North Carolina. And now we have months and months to wait, which is okay. It'll be worth it. 
Yeah, me too. Like you said, I had no idea that there was a sequel. So now no. it's just even more exciting. But yes, I think you said this at the beginning, but just the whole time I was reading this, it felt like I was watching a Hallmark movie like mm-hmm. just happen in front of me, which was really fun. Um, And I know sometimes those movies like, you know, they get a bad rap because they can be a little predictable. <laughs> but I feel like this one threw in some nice twists that really caught me off guard. And it kind of took me out of that like very cliche stereotypical hallmark hallmark movie does that make sense Mm -hmm. but i don't know in general like how do we or how do you feel about books where you kind of know where it's going to end up like you know you know these two people are probably going to fall in love but Mm -hmm. how do we feel about that that's a good question i will say that this is not usually my typical genre that i'll go for Mm -hmm to read, which is funny because I love a good Hallmark movie. So maybe I should give these books a chance more often. And it was similar in that you can usually peg what's going to happen, but in a reassuring cozy way. So it's not boring, which is probably what I love about Hallmark movies. But I, I really ended up enjoying this book and I ended up knowing where it was going. I think when you pick it up, you know that probably Adeline and Cam are going to get together at the end, but I did not know how we were going to get there. Hello, Adeline's dad being Josie's dad too. Very unexpected for me. So I don't know. I was into it. Not my typical genre, but I was into this one. And I think I might give them more of a chance from now on. And I'm definitely going to be reading the sequel. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of the same way. I typically don't gravitate towards like these type of romance Mm -hmm. books. And this is the first one that I've went that I've read in quite a while, but I really enjoyed it too. And I feel like as it like it took me a while at the beginning to get into it, but then as it went on, mm-hmm. I was a lot more like I was reading it a lot faster and was kind of going through it more quickly. But we'll yeah. say from from the beginning though, I just really disliked Andrew, who is Adelaide's mm-hmm. dad. Mm-hmm. from the get-go I just had a bad vibe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I felt awful for Adeline and the way that she was treated within the club and it just blew my mind that it was her dad that was in charge of I don't know but she just she spent all those years you know like trying to prove herself to him and impress him and in the end it just it still didn't make a difference he still just didn't really Mm -hmm. see her for what she was and he only cared about himself and what was best for himself so I don't know do you think I mean, I kind of know the answer or my opinion to this question, but do you think that that was warranted at all because he was her boss or like, I don't know, I just, he had like, he had to have been able to be kinder. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, maybe I'm a sucker, but just no, absolutely not to Andrew. If you're listening and you're (laughs) a parent, no. I've never worked for a parent, but I feel like it should be parent first, business executive second. I don't I I mean I get that he had a lot of money, he had a lot of reputation in the game, but she's his daughter. I I just feel like she should have been more important and she points this out in the end, but it wasn't even about the legacy, which I kind of could have seen maybe sort of from his perspective if He was pushing her to be her best and maybe he went about it in not the best way, but that was kind of his intention and he was wanting to build this legacy of the club for her. Then I could kind of see it, right? Like he wanted her to have the best and he wanted her to be the best so that she could be in charge, but it never was even about that. Like 
Mm-hmm. And he shows that when he sold it to her ex-boyfriend. And we didn't really touch on this, but her ex-boyfriend only dated her because her dad and him were in this deal that if he dated her and married her, then the dad would give him the hotshot position in the company and he would get to take over the company one day. Mm-hmm. And then the ex-boyfriend ends up being like, no, nah, she's not worth it. Again, turd doesn't deserve his name to even be told. But still, like, he did that. I don't know. I don't I don't know that we even touch on, like, how terrible he yeah. was to her. Yeah. I mean, that it I mean, like you said, it was a deal. It felt like a transaction. Like he was just mm-hmm. like giving his daughter away to this person. And I don't oh, it just makes me. And he gave her away to somebody who never valued her. Any interaction that she had with the ex-boyfriend, even later on, he was demeaning to her. He never stuck up for her, the dad, when the ex-boyfriend was saying these things. Mm -hmm. Again, he literally just cared for himself. And I do think if he had been more loving or more of a dad to her that she deserved, then she would have been a completely different human, which, to be fair, might have led her not to be with cam i don't know it all works out how it's supposed to blah blah but for a long time all of this was done at her expense which was just sad so no i'm not here for andrew underwood the dad you suck agreed but like you said i think everything kind of works out in the end in terms of it leading her to cam so let's kind of jump into that part of the story and their mm-hmm. relationship because that's the that's the juicy part right the but meat how did you feel about his immediate use of the word darling because <laughs> i have to say for me at the beginning it really bugged me did it yeah oh no i was into it i thought it was sweet that what i did get tripped up on though was I, my question is, is darling an English term? I can't even picture darling being said with an English accent. So I had a hard time. I'm like, where is he getting this from? Has he been in North Carolina for too long? I don't yeah. know. I don't, also, I don't know. Does this mean that you're team no nicknames at all? Or you just weren't into darling? Because Adeline was team no nicknames. I think it was just the like, just the beginning like he didn't really know her like I'm for nicknames once like you get to know someone like once it's like a real term of endearment type of thing but for me Mm -hmm. I think because it was used from the like from the immediate get-go it didn't feel like a endearing term you know what I mean but Mm -hmm. I honestly also see darling as more of like a small town southern term similar Mm -hmm. to like sweetheart or something like mm. that, which depending on the context can come off kind of sarcastic or condescending. You know what I mean? Yep. So maybe that's why it annoyed me so much. But I, I could see the that. Term, I think the term love, which he used later on, is more English. And like I've heard that used more commonly in passing, like since living uh-huh. here. And that didn't bother me as much. But I think at that point they had already built kind of like a rapport or relationship for him to be able to use that and it not feel so weird you know yeah I loved when he started saying Ada love and then she was okay with it because she wasn't so like 
pent up about things and she was fine with the nickname and then everyone started calling her Ada and it was just really sweet yeah see that's what that's what I like like once you like you know you have that relationship with someone and then they start using it just feels a little bit more genuine yeah that's true I would love if anybody's listening and is English, if they could send us a voice text of them saying darling. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure we could make that happen. Because I just still can't picture it. I don't know. I wish I was good at accents and I could try it, but I would butcher it. (laughs) But I also will say I you asked if I was like team nicknames or like no nicknames. Mm-hmm. My my favorite nickname like that people use for me is when they call me Rach just because mm-hmm. it feels more like personalized and it's like typically the people that use that are like my closest friends and family and so it feels like oh once like once someone starts calling me that it's like oh we've reached the point in our like friendship or relationship where they feel close enough to me to be able to use that comfortably I don't know if that makes any sense but Yes, that is true. And I'm team nicknames. I like them. I think they're sweet. I think what you said, they show the closeness you have with someone as long as they're used sincerely, which is kind of the point that you made. And a lot of my closest friends use nicknames too for me. So maybe I'm just used to it and that's why I like it. And it is, it's kind of that sweetness. It's the closeness. I don't know. I keep giggling in my head too because my husband and I have um, started saying things like babe as a joke a while ago just mm-hmm. to be annoying with each other and now we can't stop. So maybe I should start calling him darling and see what he thinks of it. I'd love to see his reaction to that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll try it out this week. Okay. So in the earlier parts of the book, because it was kind of, you know, they were at odds, Adeline and Cameron were at odds. Were mm-hmm. you more team Adeline or team Cameron? Hmm. Team Adeline, honestly, a thousand percent every time. And maybe this is me relating to Adeline, being a little bit of an independent girly. I could see myself in Adeline many a time while I was reading the book and just wanting to do it all on my own and not wanting to show emotion. So I don't know. I have to be reminded often that I can do everything on my own, but I don't have to. So I guess you should just start calling me Ada, darling, because apparently I'm her the more that I think about it. (laughs) But also, so maybe that's partly why I'm team Hadlin. And Cameron Caldani gave me dang whiplash at the beginning. I don't like he the scene on the porch. He was just kind of all over and a little chaotic for me because he'd be pissed at her and then would be randomly stroking her hair. So it would be hard for me to be team Cameron at least at the beginning, because I was like, dude, I don't, I'm confused. I'm confused by you. And I'm sure you're confusing Adeline. Yeah, he confused me a lot too. Also because it was like the, like you said, like it wasn't even just like, okay, he'd be kind of mean and then he'd be kind of sweet. It was like, he'd be kind of mean. And then he would literally be like, like touching her face, which is a very intimate. intimate thing to do. Like, it wasn't just, like, back and forth, like, sweet and sour type of thing. It was, like, very extreme, like, back and forth. But Yes. I agree in general, like, what you were saying about being kind of independent. Like, I, I'm the opposite to you in when it comes to emotions. Like, I am <laughs> very, overly emotion- very overly emotional all the time. Um, but I'm all for being, like, a strong and independent woman. 
But there's also something to be said about having someone who will like love and care for you, not because they think you can't handle it or because Mm. they think you can't do things on your own, but because they just genuinely love you and care for you and want to help. And like you said, you, you're capable of doing it all, but you don't have to, you don't have to go through it all alone. Yeah, that's true. I've gotten there just like Adeline did, (laughs) but it, it takes a little longer for some of us. You're right. We are very, um, opposite on that front. But okay. <laughs> I also love that the book started off with the quote that was for all the girls who might have lost mm. it once or twice. So what? Let those beautiful feelings rain on them, babe. And I just, I don't know. I just, I remember reading it at the very beginning and being like, wow, this just felt it, like it stirred something in me. I like it. And I think it was empowering. I think, and you find this out throughout the book, but usually when people are losing it, it's not unprovoked like there's something going on and obviously Adeline never really validated her emotions for herself that there was a reason that she lost it but you know what if you have to go ham on sparkles a giant bird then so be it she didn't really hurt anybody right no and I feel like we just have this like we have the tendency to feel like we have to have everything all together all the time Right. And I just felt like that, I don't know, that quote was just a really nice reminder that it's okay to not have everything in control all the time, you know? Yeah, that's true. I also love that throughout the book, we got to see inside of Adeline's head like that. And then, I mean, vice versa, we also got to see inside of Cameron's head because you really got to know them individually. And then also you kind of got to see how their behaviors, what the intention was, and then how it was perceived by the other one. Because you Mm -hmm. never saw the exact interaction from both of them, but you saw right before or right after. So then you got to see what they each thought about it. And often throughout the book, you know, Adeline would think that Cameron was super mad at her about something and he hated her. And really from his perspective, he was like, yeah, I'm pissed you left the door unlocked because I want to keep you safe. But she thought, oh, he thinks I'm an idiot. And so it was interesting Mm -hmm. seeing that because I think that mirrors what happens in real life a lot too. Like we think that somebody thinks one thing of us or our actions and it's really something completely different. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that like, I mean, you kind of said this, but like throughout the book, it was like you, they did a lot of back and forth, but then you would kind of uncover things like a couple chapters later. Like they, mm-hmm. I don't know, they could, they, she did a really good job of like kind of developing the story over time and having a lot of like callbacks to things that had been mentioned prior, which was just like, it made it interesting and fun to read. Yeah, that is true. And then I think made you change. I mean, obviously by the end, I was team Camelin. <laughs> is that what their couple <laughs> name would be? <laughs> Adiron? No, I like Camelin. What would you pick? I think Camelin. Camelin? Yeah. Honestly, though, I said this a little bit at the beginning, but I'm actually Team Maria. She killed me with her nicknames for Cam. I laughed out loud literally every time she would pop off with a Coach Camomile or Coach Carwash. <laughs> and then at one point, she's like asking Adeline to hang out with her. And she's like, oh, yeah, hey, Coach Camelback, I'd invite you to hang out too, but you don't pass the vibe check. <laughs> you can hang out with my brother, Tony, because he's also not cool. 
<laughs> she's my dream little nine-year-old <laughs> yeah she was the main character of the book honestly honestly she was my main character her and brandy it's funny because the very first note i wrote about this book was something along the lines of what's up with that random goat on the cover like why what does a yeah. goat have to do with a soccer love story book um, but then a sweet little Maria and Brandy, the six month goat who's blind and suffers from anxiety, were actually my main little favorite characters. And they added so much. And I love them. And they were so wise, which kids tend to do to you. But yeah, I feel like through them, you saw, like, you learned a lot about who Cameron and Adeline were, like mm. through Maria and the goat, which was just like a funny, like, mm. silly addition. But I feel like with their interactions with them, like, even when Adeline jumps in the water to go get Brandy because uh-huh. like Brandy got scared and then ran into the water. Like even that, like it seemed like it's such a silly detail to add in, but it showed you a lot of like who Adeline was. And then you got to see Cameron's perspective of watching Adeline do that and him learning like yeah. what type of person she was. That's so true. That is very, very true. Because Adeline, she had this bad rap about being the princess girl, but she wasn't. Yeah, I feel like in multiple different scenarios, it was like she was kind of accused or like stereotyped as that. And to be honest, I kind of had that stereotype of her from the like at the very, very beginning when she showed up with her stilettos. I was not that she was a I didn't have the stereotype that she was a princess, but I was like, girl, I was like, why would you not look at any detail of where you were going? (laughs) And also, like once she got there and realized what the situation was, why don't you go and buy a different pair of shoes? Like, she just kept showing up to, like, places, but I think, I don't know, I don't think that she was really, like, that, like, bratty, stereotype, big city girl. Like, I didn't get that vibe from her. It was just at the very beginning, I thought it was funny that she just didn't feel the need to go and at least buy a new pair of shoes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, she was probably making a decent salary with the Flames, if not a very good salary with the Flames. So I was a little surprised throughout the book that she never went to the store. But I also, I never bought into the whole princess vibe stereotype. I thought she was very misunderstood. Mm -hmm. I feel like the things she was worried about were valid. Call me a princess too, but I feel like if something was crawling in my bed, I would also be out of there. And she adapted well. She hung her undies on the deer antlers. I mean, Mm -hmm. this place, I think it was actually pretty bad. Although, again, this is coming from me, who was also called an ice princess in high school. So, Were you really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of ironic because I was remember when they called me like little lamb in high school. Yeah. Which is similar yeah. to a goat. I mean, not the same thing. I know it's not the oh, same thing. Too. But you know what I mean? Like an animal. Yeah. Well, it's funny because it was primarily on the soccer team that they called me an ice princess with no feeling. So maybe actually I just am Adeline and I'm feeling the need to validate her that she's not that big of a princess and everybody would run if something was crawling in their bed. Fight me on that. <laughs> no, I can I can get behind that. I can see it. But I do have to admit that I feel like I needed to I don't know. I feel like I need to give some sort of warning for this book because I, I was not at all prepared for how spicy it got. And I oh. like <laughs> if our grammars are following along and they're reading this, like I just apologize in advance because 
We didn't know. I, we we really didn't know. We saw that it was a book. It was a romance book. It involved soccer. We thought it was perfect. And then we got about three quarters of the way in. And whew, yeah, I mean, it's funny because I was a little bit ahead of you when you were reading it. And we try not to text too much about the books because we want to be able to talk about them because here we are. That's the whole point. But you texted me that the book was getting spicy, but I think they were only on the porch or had just gotten to the stargazing or something. And I was like, oh, gosh, just wait. Just wait till she gets to her shed office thing while the girls were still in practice, might I add. And then her mom gets into town. I mean, it just it skyrocketed from there, which like good for them. But you're right. We weren't expecting it. And if it surprised you or caught you off guard or you didn't like it, we're sorry. We didn't know. It just a little bit. It felt like it was like it was it just went back and forth between like they'd have these really mm-hmm. wholesome chapters that were just, you know, your your typical like Hallmark small town, like fall fest, like just so mm-hmm. wholesome. And then the next chapter would just be like, whoa. You know, but wasn't expecting this. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. I don't think they'd be allowed to show some of those scenes on the Hallmark channel. No, no, I would say not. I would say <laughs> not. But um, yeah, another thing that surprised me, along with all the spice, was that, like I said at the beginning, I thought that this was going to be a relatively predictable book. But then they threw in a lot, like some really fun twist mm-hmm. and like storylines mm-hmm. that I feel like gave it a little bit more complexity to the characters. And it helped us understand, like, why they were the way that they were. Yeah. But were you surprised by what happened with Cameron and his stalker, like, that storyline? Or did you see that coming? Well, yes and no. I had made a note that I thought he either had an awful breakup or a stalker. When they kept saying that he was traumatized and had all of these things, I was like, well, it must have been something big. But then when we learned about the break-in, my first thought was, oh, it's neither of those things. But then when you were reading it, you texted me when you learned about the break-in and did think of that incident as a stalker. And then I immediately felt bad that I had minimized his break-in experience and he's a fictional character, but I was feeling guilty about it. And I was like, oh, God, no wonder he kept getting mad that Adeline was keeping her cabin unlocked. Like, he had this crazy stalker who broke in, and he just wants to keep people safe. So, yes and no. I did think that maybe it had to have been something as severe as, like, a stalker. But then also I wasn't really expecting it to be the break-in because he was, like, this big guy who I think everyone else would have thought of as strong and not scared of things like that but then he was and it helps you again I think like you're saying um, with the complexity of it and of his character yeah and I actually didn't even really connect until you just said that 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 is why he was so upset when Adeline would leave the door unlocked I never yes. even, like connected that Yes, I because I was would be reading the book and I'm like, gosh, they're in the middle of nowhere. Like, why does he care? But now I know. Yeah. So what about the big reveal at the end when we found out oh. that Josie was Adeline's half sister? Because I did not see that coming. Like, I knew that something had to be like his her her dad had to be related somehow to the town. But I did not see that coming. 
Did you think? I did not. That was not on my bingo card for this book. I gasped <laughs> and I was on the couch reading this next to Brayden, my husband, and he asked who died in my book because he knows my typical book genres. And I was like, no, it's a baby daddy plot. And he was like, what? <laughs> so I was shocked. 10 out of 10 did not expect them to be sisters. I didn't really think her dad was related to the town. Like that took me off guard completely. But I do think that it was so well done by Elena because there were so many little tidbits dropped throughout the book that made it make sense so that it was this big fun twist, but it wasn't thrown in or unbelievable, which is probably goes back to how you thought that he was somehow related because there were all these little breadcrumbs. I apparently was just not paying attention to them until I went back and thought about it. Yeah, the only, the one that made me, like, say to myself, like, okay, her dad is somehow involved was when um, Adeline was talking to Maria's dad. Mm -hmm. And she mentioned, like, her name, and she mentioned being related to the Miami Flames. And when she said her name, oh. like, when she said her last name, her, Maria's dad, like, immediately uh. switched gears. Like, he, his tone and, like, everything changed, which made me think, okay, she or he must know her dad somehow. And he said, but your last name is in Underwood. Like, he was so shook by the fact that she was his daughter. I didn't even yeah. pick up on that. I, and literally until now that you're saying that, didn't even think about that scene and just thought, you know, he said, I've already gotten so much charity and didn't even think about it. And truly, yeah. her dad was investing in the town the whole time. I always thought the secret investor was something to do with Cameron. So that threw me mm -hmm. off the trail and then I never even considered it being Mr. Turdhead Andrew Underwood who I guess is not a total turdhead because he was investing in the small town on Josie's behalf but yeah. still I think you need more than your dad than money yeah I was gonna say I, that just feels like a cop-out it feels like he's Fair. just throwing stuff and not not actually taking the time to to make that's an true effort, and know? Josie was so sweet Josie's the best I know and I really loved Adeline and Josie's friendship which eventually you know becomes even sweeter because they turn out to be related and be half sisters mm -hmm. but I feel like that storyline just really showed the importance of female friendships and having those friendships that can just kind of like encourage you and empower you but also challenge you Mm -hmm. And it seemed like Adeline had never really had that in her life before. And so it just felt so sweet that she found that. Obviously, it was sweet that she found love with Cameron, but it she also found love and friendship and with friendship. Josie. That's so true because she made a point throughout the book. She would say, like, I guess I don't have any friends other than Matthew, like, and I don't have any hobbies. And I just, uh, that's such a good point. I do love that she got that now that you're pointing that out. And I think you got to see... Like, how important that was in the epilogue, too. Like, they were so close later, and they were in the epilogue. They're doing their little shootout, Cam and Adeline, and you hear from the stands, Josie screams something about, like, that's my sister. I don't think mm -hmm. those are her words, but it was something like that where it was really sweet. Um, but also, I – this was – I don't think this is something we talked about earlier, but how in the world did Josie and Cam know each other? We never found out. Like, how did he end up in rural North Carolina? I really hope she circles back to that in the sequel, unless I just missed something, because Josie and Cam were friends. 
but they never really say how he landed there because she is why Cam was there coaching the team before Adeline even came in the picture. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even really think about that. Like, I think that Josie and Cam met when he got there. I don't like I didn't take it. I didn't take it as they knew each other ahead of time. But I do wonder how he ended up there, like how he ended up in North Carolina all the way from L.A. because he's not like they didn't really explain that. Like, did he just literally pick somewhere and just show up or I feel like he had to have some connection there, but they didn't really go into it. So you were thinking he ended up in North Carolina because he needed a cabin out in the woods to hide in. And then he met Josie. And in typical Josie fashion, she got him mm-hmm. to coach for the team. Okay. I was thinking that they somehow knew each other. He was looking for somewhere to hide out. She had this team who needed to be coached and knew of a cabin in the woods. And so that was how he ended up in North Carolina. But now Mm -hmm. I'm not so sure which one it is. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe there was some, like maybe Cam's uh, agent Mm -hmm. had some connection there. And that's like, and he helped him get out there. I don't really know. They didn't really What if the agent and Josie knew each other? maybe we'll have to wait for the next book and maybe they'll explain more and if not um on the off chance elena armis i hope we've been saying your name right uh listens to this maybe she can let us know that would be fun (laughs) yeah the next book in the series is going to be called the shortlist yes don't really know what it's about but i do i we have confirmed that it will follow josie and Matthew, who we really haven't talked too much about, but Matthew was kind of just like a side character and it was uh-huh. um, Adeline's best friend. So that would be kind of I, exciting. Yeah. And I'm glad because I wish we got to know more of him. Like he helped move the storyline forward in a couple of different places. And he was never there in person, but Adeline texted and called him all the time. He's a huge soccer fan, a huge Cameron Caldani fan. Um, And at one point in the book, you realize like he's back home in Massachusetts and um, Adeline was really worried about him for a second Mm -hmm. because she realized like something was going on with him and she realized she had been kind of neglecting him because she was so worried about everything going on in her own life. So I would be curious to know what happened because that was the same day that the whole blow up happened where Adeline left for Miami and that her dad was selling the team and all of that. So Hopefully we get to hear more of Matthew because he was so sweet. He's like the best hype girl guy friend you could ask for, it seems like. Yeah, absolutely. I want to I wanna know more about his backstory. So hopefully mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get that this fall with the shortlist coming up. But um, Can't wait to read. Maybe we'll have to do an episode on that one. Yeah. But uh, before we end, I do have to ask because we okay. obviously both grew up playing soccer. I had uh-huh. a or I say soccer, but... I'm starting to try to call it football now because oh. I know that that's, you know, the preferred term over here in Scotland and England and in the UK. And but Cameron it confuses multiple... people over here. Yeah. Cameron multiple times, though, kind of made, you know, jokes about it. And that's very similar to the reaction that I get when I call it soccer, like with my classmates. So True. I'm going to say football, but you know what I mean? Um, we grew up both playing that sport. We've had our fair share of post-game treats. So did you have a favorite after-game snack as a kid? That's a good question. When we were thinking about a board for this book, that's immediately where I went, was like 
what kind of little snack board would you want on the sideline of a field when you're watching your sibling play or at halftime or after the game? I think so the rec field that we both played at before we moved over to the competitive side had a snow cone stand like around the corner. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we went there a lot and that was a classic, just like with the girls in the book. Yeah. Gatorade. Mm -hmm. I feel like the concession stand often had those big old pickles that are so good. Yeah. Oh my God. I (laughs) feel like those. Yeah. Like you don't eat now. Those are the things that stand out to me right away. Do you have any that you remember? I feel like I remembered the snow cones. I remember uh-huh. like just juice boxes in general. Mm-hmm. Um, also, you made me think of when you talked about moving over to the competitive side, you made me think of like Micro's soccer complex, which is where we played and they would have mm-hmm. the cart that would go around. Yes. And I remember like the excitement of seeing the cart like come around the corner and being like oh what are we gonna get especially like if we were at like if I was at like one of your games like if I wasn't playing and I was Uh watching and it would be a cold night like the hot chocolate Mm -hmm. from the cart was always exciting the sour straws yeah oh I forgot about I got those from the cart a lot that's classic that's what I should have added to the board I might have to see if we have some in the pantry also when you were saying that when you would have games and I would be out there, sometimes I could convince our mom uh, to stop by Starbucks because she would want something. I'd be like, don't you want something? Mm. And then I would get <laughs> tricked her <laughs> tricky, tricky, um, a white hot chocolate or like a white mocha. Mm. That was my first introduction into Starbucks. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Well, this was a fun one. It was a very um, different book than what we read last week. Um, but what are what are we looking at for next week, Kayla? So the next episode will drop in two weeks, and that will be The Silent Patient. So another 180 from this book. That one is all about mystery, violence. It kind of reminds me of like true crime, art therapy, mental health all of that. So if you have read it, then join us. If you haven't read it yet and would like to read it, go ahead and grab it um, because that episode will be dropping in two weeks and it's another really great one with lots of ins and outs. I'm excited to get to talk about that one because we haven't talked about it yet, but I think it'll be a good one. We're excited Um, and we'll see you in two weeks. Hey, thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Books and Boards Pod to see what book we'll be reading next. We'd love to chat with you about our current read in our DMs. You can also email us at booksandboardspod at gmail.com with future book recommendations, comments, or questions that you want us to cover during a future episode. See you soon!